Thank you for listening to the Sunday School Teaching Ministry of Pastor Luke Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. I was just about to say, praise the Lord, we're, we got this fixed, but um, <laughs> we, we spent an hour and a half this week uh, working on this, trying to make sure everything's good, but now, now the TV wants to reboot, so uh, I don't know, we'll see how it goes here in just a minute, but, but I do want to, while it's, uh, while it's thinking, uh, let me just say this, <clears throat> today's our 23rd anniversary, me and my wife, and so I'm excited, thank the Lord. <laughs> Married 23 years, and I can't think of anybody I'd rather spend it with than you folks right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. We, uh, we know, we, we got married on June 26th in 1999, and uh, we didn't know it then, but, you know, later, a few years later, we started our Freedom Fest on the 4th of July weekend around here, and so it was always just right before Freedom Fest for the rest of our lives, we said, we're <laughs> it's a little too close, we'll all, always celebrate after, so we'll do that, but, but I truly love and appreciate and am attracted to this woman more than I ever have been. Thank the Lord for her, and she is my helper today. She's going to be clicking through, and as I men- mentioned, we've been working on this. Hopefully, when we prayed over this thing, it'll work today, so hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. All right, well, let's finish out the book of Jude, Lord willing, today. We start by reminding us of this. Many of you know about the Great Wall of China. Some of you have probably visited it. The Great Wall of China was built to protect the territory, their territory, by keeping the enemy out. (laughs) But I read somewhere, you may have heard this too, that enemies were able to get through the wall three times. The reason all three times that they got through the wall was because they bribed the gatekeeper. <laughs> the point is, it doesn't matter how strong your wall is, doesn't matter how strong your defenses are, if the people are weak. And the enemy of our soul, your soul, my soul, will tear down our life. He will tear, tear down our family. He will tear down our church. If we as believers are not strong in the faith, that is just how it will work. And that's the focus of this section of Jude. Jude has been talking about earnestly contending for the faith. Somebody's talked about fighting for the house. (laughs) Jude's whole letter has been about that because there were bad apples that he says were creeping into the church. They were creeping in unawares. And it's interesting about apostates and people who Our false teachers, they don't wear badges that say, hi, I'm an apostate, please listen to me. They creep in, you don't know. And they begin to teach things and say things that are against what scripture teaches. One more time, let's remind ourselves what an apostate is when we talk about this. An apostate is a person who has professed to accept the truth and trust the Savior and then turns from the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It's not a saved person. It's a person who's made maybe a profession. It's an outward show. But truly, inwardly, 
They have no desire to walk with the Lord. They have no desire to follow the, the truth that was once delivered to the saints. Jude has been giving a long and pointed list of characteristics to watch out for. He very, very, uh, very real, very straight. And now he transitions to what we need to do as individual believers. Those of us who are seeking to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And for the third time now in this little letter, Jude's gonna remind us that this apostate issue in churches was prophesied about long ago. Now, before we read it, I just wanna think about that for a minute. Why do Christian readers of this letter need to be reminded again and again that this was foretold in the past, this whole issue? Well, the reason that we would need to be told that and reminded that is because we need to be better prepared and stronger in our faith for when it's here. God says, this is coming, so be ready. If you know a hurricane is coming, you can prepare. If you know an earthquake is coming, you can better prepare. If you know the devil's coming, <laughs> you can better prepare. So here is the way to be ready to be prepared and to earnestly contend for the faith. And that's what he gives us here in these last few verses of this letter. And number one, I think what we see here is to remember the warnings of old. If we're gonna be strong, if we're gonna be earnest contenders of the faith, then we, as believers, need to remember the warnings that God has put in scripture. Verse 17, but beloved, so he transitions now, Jude is saying, but beloved, that's you, that's you readers in the church that are reading this letter, people that I love, people that Christ loves, people that love Christ. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now Jude says here, remember what the apostles have spoken. Now we know that the apostle Peter's second epistle that we have here in scripture is especially close to Jude's epistle. Many correlations, many very similar, very similar language. But Paul not only was it Peter, but Paul, John, and I'm sure other apostles all spoke about the coming days of the apostates, the end times when people would come in, the apostates would just be there and trying to creep in and take people away. In fact, as we mentioned before, all of the New Testament books, except for Philemon, have some kind of warning about false teaching or false teachers or something along that line. It was a real problem. Here's just a few examples, some very clear examples from the apostles. See, Jude says, remember what the apostles spoke. So here's what some of the apostles spoke. Second Peter chapter two, verse one, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Or Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. 
Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He said in 2 Timothy 3.13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So when we read those things, when we read all that the apostles say, we have to look around and see people leaving the church and people leaving the faith and going on social media and saying I'm deconstructing and all of this, and we just have to say, well, it's, it's been foretold. This is no surprise. This is, this is something we should have expected. And the apostles have told us that things are gonna get worse and worse, he said. So we need to be ready. Now think about what's happening here for just a minute from a different light. <coughs> The apostles in the book of Acts, they're just starting the church. Uh, churches are growing. Churches are being planted all over the place. The people are being persecuted, but they're spreading out, and the gospel is spreading like wildfire. People are being baptized. Their lives are being changed. Jews, Greeks, starting to fill these little places, and, and the word is growing. In Acts chapter 2.42, it said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. I mean, it's just a great day for the church as it was just, just launching. Then God started to give the apostles visions of the future. And the future of the church, there's so many great visions. Jesus would come back one day. We're gonna be in heaven with him. He, we're gonna see his glorious appearing. He started giving them visions of what, what would happen. That's what we look forward to. But then, G God started to give them visions of the future, of some things in the church that they were I'm sure just absolutely broke their heart. The fact that there would be people coming in and spreading false doctrine, things that were completely against what scripture says, there would be apostasy in the church, there would be people leaving the faith and drawing others with them. And it would get worse and worse. What a horrible feeling for them to look ahead and see that, but it's the truth. And how grieving. But God wanted to tell, the, tell them, them to tell the truth, that is Jude here also, so that they would not be naive. So that when we come to church, we would be joyful, we would be at peace, we would be excited about the coming of the Lord, but we also would not be naive. Amen. And we'd be very careful with people like me who stand up and teach or preach the word of God. That all of us, like Paul said, those Bereans, we would search the scriptures and see if those things were so. We would be earnest contenders for the faith. Jude reminds us of what the apostle says. In Jude here in this verse, he said that they would be mockers. Same thing that Peter said in chapter three, verse three. You know, people, if they can't, if these apostates can't defeat the truth, then the next best thing is to mock it, make fun of it, laugh it down. Warren Wearsby said, before Satan can substitute his own lies, he must get rid of the truth of God's word. If he cannot argue it away, he will laugh it away. And he can usually find somebody to laugh with him. But it's not only mockers, it's not only people that laugh, but they live their life, it says, walking after ungodly lusts. Judah's been talking about this inner motive that's inside each, each of these apostates. The reason, and by the way, if you, if you find a mocker, if you see somebody who is a mocker of the things of God and a mocker of uh, the truth that is in the word of God, I'll show you a person who's also walking after ungodly lusts. 
These two go hand in hand. Jude, he's been talking about this. The reason apostates despise the word of God is because the word of God is not letting them get away with something they want to do. Make no mistake, it's not just about doctrine for them. It's not just about truth. Those who walk away from the Lord, it's really, truly, deep down, there's an inner motive. They are walking after ungodly lust. There's a desire that they want to fulfill. And then it says they separate themselves, meaning that they are divisive in the church. They're not a team player. They don't join in. They don't become a part of what God's doing. Instead, they draw people to sides. They separate. They separate people. And then it says they are sensual, not having the spirit. In other words, they're only interested in pleasing the senses, doing whatever makes them feel good in the moment. And this is because, it says, they do not have the spirit. I believe this is telling us that they're not saved. They're not truly saved. They just do not have the Holy Spirit living in them at all. And when you're not born again, then, this, then life is all about just pleasing the senses. What else, do you got? what else do you got? Sad that Jude even had to keep exposing these people. But it is honest, it's reality, and until we get to heaven, it's the truth that we all have to face and not be naive about. But I do want to just back up one quick second and say this. I don't think that God wants Christians to be cynical all the time. And I don't think God wants us to be suspicious of every single person we talk to in the church. You know, always giving the eye if somebody's talking to you. That's not what I think he wants. But we do need to be very, very discerning. Watchful, discerning, but with a big smile on our face and a love deep, deep in our hearts. So we remember the words of the apostles is what Jude says. Remember the words of the apostles so we'll be prepared when those smooth talkers come and try to tempt us to walk away, to walk away. Don't walk away. And how else can we be internally ready to earnestly contend for the faith? Well, number two I see here, and that is to build an ever-increasing relationship with God or to cultivate an ever-increasing relationship with God. Look what it says in verse 20. But, but ye, beloved, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now look closely at how this is worded. If you look closely, the, the phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God, or keep yourselves in the love of God, is the command here, is the key command. But you do that by building yourselves up on your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And as you're doing that, you need to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life. Let me read it again, thinking about that. So here, here's what, how it's worded. But ye, verse 20, but ye, beloved, building yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So first of all, what does it mean to keep yourselves in the love of God? I've studied and prayed on this phrase and read so many things from so many different authors and, and commentators and scholars on this, and I will say this, I think this truth has become so now precious in my heart. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let me say what it doesn't mean, first of all. This phrase does not mean to keep yourself saved. That's not what that means. If, if that meant that, then it, Jude would be contradicting himself. 
In verse 1, he talks about the Lord keeping us. In verse 24, he talks about the Lord keeping us. So he's not talking about keeping ourselves saved. God does all the work to save us. So he does all the work to keep us. But it also doesn't mean to be perfect so that God will continue to love you. God already loves us. God already loves the entire world, he says. In fact, he says, while you were sinners, he died for you. While we were sinners, he died for us. God loves people. So that's not what he's saying either. Then what is he saying by saying, keep yourself in the love of God? To keep yourself in the love of God, I believe, means to keep yourself in a place of experiencing and enjoying the love of God. You know, a person can be loved by God, but not enjoy it, not experience it. Just like a person can go out into the sunshine and not enjoy the sunshine. You can be out there, the sunshine's on everybody, but some enjoy it and some don't. Especially if you were to go outside now on a day like this, you say, I don't wanna enjoy the sunshine, it's a little too hot. But, uh, but there are times after a rain or something like that and you wanna go out and just soak up the sun. But if you were to go out in a day like that, it's beautiful outside and you put up an umbrella and it shades you, it's there's, then there's something between you and the sun. And if something is between you and the sun, you're not gonna enjoy it. I think that's what he's talking about here. If there is something between you and God, then you cannot really enjoy his love. When we sin, when we neglect time in God's living word, when we stop praying, when we stay away from church, when we let our hearts get cold toward the Lord, these are barriers. These are things that we're allowing between us and the Lord and us and our love relationship with God. Something between my soul and the Savior. And if you do that, if we let something, some kind of a barrier, some kind of something in between us and God, then we lose the enjoyment of being a Christian. We lose the joy, we lose the peace. We, we, we just don't experience the love of God. Sometimes we call this fellowship versus sonship. You can be a child of God, a son of God, a, a daughter of God, but you can also be out of fellowship with God. You could be on your way to heaven, you're going to heaven someday, but if you're not enjoying fellowship with him, you're missing so much. Another problem with being out of fellowship with God and not enjoying his love is that then we start to become weak as Christians and more susceptible to the attacks of the apostates and more susceptible to the attacks of, of people who are preaching false things. You know, it's, it, I was thinking about it in our, uh, our anniversary, as I mentioned, it's like a marriage. You know, we need to stay in love. We've, we've professed our love to one another. I'm married, I just, uh, I, I know. We made that vow a long time ago, it happened, I am married. But there's a difference between being married and enjoying your marriage. If we grow cold, if there's something between my wife and myself, and we grow cold, then I'm not gonna enjoy, I'm not gonna keep myself in the love of a spouse and we're more open to the enemy, we're more open to temptation, we're more open to things that would draw us away. How then do we keep ourselves in the love of God, keep ourselves in this precious place of just loving God <clears throat> and Him and experiencing his love for us? Well, it says do this by building up yourselves on your most holy faith. 
And this is another reference to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Build yourselves up on that faith. Not your faith, but the faith. We're talking about the revelation that came from God, the word of God, meaning it was delivered, the, uh, the faith that was once delivered, meaning somebody had to deliver it to us. It's not something that was just in us. God delivered it to us once, and this is the scripture. This is not a man-made religion. Build yourself up on that. Build yourself up on that word of God, that body of doctrine, the truths about Jesus who came to die for us and rose again and give us eternal life someday. Build yourself up on that. Read the scripture, soak it up, meditate on it, obey it, use it, talk about it, build your life on it, uh, build your family on it. Build yourselves up on this most holy faith. Just keep building, 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 building. That's what he's saying. If you wanna be earnestly contend for the faith, you'll be ready against the onslaught of the enemy, build yourself up. It's clear that this is not something that anyone else can do for us. Build up yourselves, it says. You can't grow through osmosis. You cannot put your Bible under your pillow and become a great saint. The Spirit will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit will give us help. But there is human effort involved. We have to set our alarm a little earlier. We have to get up, read our Bible. We have to make a relationship commitment to the Lord. We have to create goals. We have to keep our dates with Jesus. Amen. I can't get married and expect my wife to do all the work of keeping us in love. <laughs> no, it's our part. It's what we have to do. So build yourself up on the most holy faith. And then it says pray in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? I believe this is speaking of praying as you are led by the Holy Spirit. This is a, because this is a contrast statement to what he said in the previous verse. Verse 19, Jude just said the apostates don't have the Spirit. They don't even have the Spirit. And so I think this is a statement in contrast to that, meaning you have the Spirit, unlike the apostates. So pray as a true believer, following the Holy Spirit's lead. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Praying is a powerful exercise. <clears throat> it's where you and I can get things done in the spiritual realm and on this earth. It's a powerful, powerful spiritual thing that we do, we can do right here. It's not us getting our will done with God, but it's God's getting, getting his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need the sp Spirit's help to pray effectively. We can't, we can't do this all by ourselves. Remember Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying, when we pray, it should not be a mindless, empty exercise. It should not just be quoting words. It should not just be something where our mind is floating away. And if you're human like I am, it tends to do that often. <laughs> That's why somebody has said, keep a notepad near, and I keep my cell phone with all the notes in it, because as soon as you try to pray about something, the devil's gonna remind you of all kinds of things that you need to do. <clears throat> and write those things down, take a note, and then get back to praying and focus. And ask the Holy Spirit 
to lead in prayer. Lord, lead me into prayer. Direct what I pray about and how I pray about something. And bring those prayers then to the ears of God the Father. For me, I'm not exactly sure in many situations how to pray. Uh, what to pray about for, for a different people in my home or, dif- or you folks here in the church or, or whatever, or a, our situation that we're going through. But the Holy Spirit does. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, will you give me a clear direction on how to pray for this? And usually God will do that through his word. It's amazing, I'll sit, read the word of God in the morning, we get up early, we sit there, we read the word of God, and before I pray, there's a passage that's starting to just come to life in my heart. And you take that passage and you turn it into this prayer and all of a sudden you realize this thing I'm dealing with or this thing I'm praying about and this word that I just got from scripture, (coughs) this is a great fit. This is is what I can pray for. This is how I can pray. And then the, the Lord just then, that's the Holy Spirit leading us into prayer. That's praying in the spirit. That's saying, now Lord, you take that, empower that prayer, bring the prayer where it needs to go to the ears of the Father and make this thing happen. But you know, it's not just how God works that way in, in the situation or in people, but also it's amazing how praying like that changes me. I know then what better to do in certain situations. It's amazing what'll happen just being in prayer sometimes and gotta get a hold of my heart and say this is where you, what you need to do about this. I'm also stronger than in, any, in a spiritual battle that I'm gonna face that day and I'm more in love with Jesus. You pray in the spirit and there's all kinds of ripple effects in your family, in your own life. So pray in the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a strengthening thing. This is the way to cultivate an ongoing and a powerful relationship with God. And this keeps the enemy at a distance. It keeps the apostates from breaking in. William Cowper said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saints on his knees. So there's reading the word, getting the word in us, there's praying. And as somebody said, that's a balanced life right there. God talking to you and you talking to God. Billy Sunday was told early in his life, he said, somebody told me early in my life to do three things. 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, 15 minutes a day of prayer, and 15 minutes a day of telling someone else about the Lord. And he said, they told me if I do those three things, I'll never backslide. (laughs) Billy, Billy said, I live by that rule. What a great rule. Then Jude says, look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. If we're gonna build ourselves in the most, if we're gonna keep ourselves in the love of God, we build ourselves up on the faith, we pray in the spirit, and we look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This is an expectant waiting, a looking for the Savior to come and take us home to heaven. You know, a person who is looking for the coming of Jesus and is a waiting person, and a waiting person who really loves Jesus is a person who is genuinely excited about the truths of scripture. It means they mean something to you. It means this, what God has said, that's something deep inside you. They can't wait to go to heaven. They can't wait for all this evil world to be over, and this stuff to be done, and see Jesus face to face. 
but I love how Jude calls it this coming day a mercy. Mercy. The apostates, they can only look for judgment that's coming. But we as believers, we look for mercy. Because really it all is mercy. The coming of Jesus is a mercy of God, that he would do that for us. It's when Jesus comes, he mercifully takes us out of this evil world and mercifully takes us to live home with him. We don't look to, for Jesus with arrogance. Oh, I bet you Jesus can't come wait to get me. Look, <laughs> look how special I am. No, the coming of the Lord is mercy toward us. We don't deserve a home in heaven. I don't deserve anything in heaven. But he gives it by his grace, by his mercy. And then Jude finishes his instruction here by telling us to be Christians who look outward. Look out for those who are starting to move toward the apostates or be on the lookout for waffling saints. Verse 22, and, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now this is one of those places, real quick, that if you have the King James Version, you're gonna see two different kinds of people to look out for here. If you have most other English versions, you might see three different kinds of people to help here. Uh, we, we go with the King James Version, so I'll teach it that way. Jude basically tells us here to be wise and use discernment. When we go to help other believers escape the grip of false teachers and apostates, here's what we need to do. We need to be looking around. We need to be, uh, we need to be very careful. We need to be wise. We need to be discerning. But here's first what we need to ask ourselves. Where are they spiritually? Are they humble? Are they a humble learner? Are, and they've just been wavering a little bit with the truth? They've been doubting a little bit and you can see them inching a little bit away from the Lord? Then here's what you do. You give them compassion and be gentle. Knowing that they're probably confused by some of the truths. They're a, they're a new believer. They're still trying to figure things out and this is confusing to them. Be patient, give compassion, but say something, do something. For a mature believer, if you know the word and you understand the doctrines, it would be right for you to gently come along and be very careful in doing this. But there's another kind, and there's another, this one, you have to ask yourself, are they arrogant? Are they stubborn? Have they almost completely turned away toward the apostate teachers? Do you see them almost about to take that final step? Then here's what you need to do. You need to go on an urgent rescue mission. You save them with fear, it says, and it means save them with urgency. Don't beat around the bush, pull them from the fire like you're pulling someone out of the flames. Some people are dangerously close to leaving the faith and we are God's tool to rescue them. But in this warning, and we have to be so careful about this, we're not supposed to be walking around saying, I think you're leaving, you know. <laughs> be careful. But Jude's warning is a very good caution at the end of this. Be very careful as you do this because you're gonna be listening to as you talk to people. You're gonna be listening to and you're gonna be wallowing in then a lot of sin, a lot of gossip, a lot of junk. You're gonna be hearing things that you don't wanna hear. Don't let your garment get stained with the flesh by all that stuff. We must have hatred, he says, for those things, those stains on the garment. Hate the sin, love the sinner. The principle that Jude here is laying out is that stronger believers must never think that they're, I'm beyond 
the influence of Satan. I, can, I can't be swayed, I can't be turned away. Even while serving the Lord and you're seeking to rescue people, we can be defiled, our, 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 our garments can be stained. You know, the Old Testament Jews had a very, they were very careful not to stain their garment. Leviticus chapter 13, 14, and 15 talks about that. If, you st- if there's a stain even on your garment, you gotta get rid of that in, the, in certain uh, holy situations. But, if a, but that's what he's talking about here. Judah's making a reference. As a clean person, be careful what you touch. My mom gave me an illustration of this when I was younger. I remember as a teenager, I've used it many times with kids and teenagers. It helped me so much. It's the chair illustration. She put, you put a person on the, standing on the chair and a person standing on the ground, and they, they grip arms. And she said, uh, Luke, is it easier for the person on the ground to pull the person on the chair off, or is it easier for the person on the chair to pull the person up to his level? Well, of course, it's easier to pull somebody down off the chair than to pull somebody up on the chair. So that's right. So when you're trying to help people, when you're around friends and when you're around people, it's so much easier for them to pull you down than for you to try to pull people up. So be very, very, very careful. Be wise, be spirit-led, be built up, be praying, be loving believers, be help, help those who are struggling, but be very discerning. Always be on guard for your own heart and mind. And then Jude ends with this powerful doxology. Doxology, the word, it's a Greek word, doxa meaning glory, and ology comes from logos, which means word. It's a, it's a glorify, it's a word about glory. Powerful words that bring glory to God. Verse 24, now unto him, this is one of the best in the entire scripture. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever, amen. <laughs> That's what Jude been wanting to say the whole time. He had to get through this other stuff to say these words. Yes, he was writing about the apostates leaving the faith, but he doesn't want a true believer to fear. God is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the, th- before the throne in heaven. Well, that's glorious news, everybody. We don't keep ourselves from falling. He keeps us and presents us in heaven. He does the heavy lifting. We, we keep ourselves in the love of God, keep ourselves enjoying the love of God and experiencing the love of God here, but he is the one who keeps us from falling. He's the one who presents us in heaven. What a day of glory and joy that will be. As lastly, I just want you to notice verse 25. Look who's the one who does all this for us and how he describes him. The only wise God, the one who can guide us with all the wisdom we need for life. Our Savior, he's not just a Savior. He's not just the Savior. He is our Savior, my Savior. Glory, glory is the sum total of all that God is and all that he does. And it goes on for eternity. Majesty, his greatness, his magnificence. He's not just king, he's king of kings. Dominion, that is God's sovereignty and rule over all things. And then power, authority over everything, even the powers of darkness. That is the God who can keep you. That is the God who can keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne. What a shame when people walk away from that God. What a shame. They're missing everything 
don't walk away. The greatest thing we could do is to keep ourselves in the enjoyment and the excitement of loving God. And that's how I'd leave with you today. Keep yourself in that place of enjoying your relationship with the Lord. Just keep yourself in that place. On earth, we get to enjoy the love of God. And then, when we die, or when he comes again, we get to go directly into those arms of love. It's love to love. We're so blessed. Lord, we are so blessed. Thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.